This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. Praise God. We'll go straight to the Word of God, if you will. In Hebrews chapter 12, I would like to read verses 1 to 3. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Hallelujah. I'll take that again. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he has sat down on the right hand of the throne. So consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. May God bless you through the reading of his word. I'd like to talk to you very briefly. Briefly means 45 minutes. So I want to talk to you very briefly on the theme that we are closing out today on, on courage in crisis. You know, the Bible says here that it's talking about Jesus, and it says that we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. And because of that, thinking of those witnesses who are recorded in Hebrews chapter 11, Men and women of faith, we have run their race, we have finished their race, we finished strong, we believed God, we held on to God. When we remember them, when we consider them, when we know that they surround us and they're cheering us on, it says, let us therefore run with endurance the race that is set before us. In other words, the Bible is saying that for each one of us, we have a race of destiny. We have a race of life. We have a race of purpose that has been set before us. And, and encouraged by those who have gone before us. Encouraged by those who have finished their race. Encouraged by those who watch from the grandstands of heaven. Let us run our race. Let us run with endurance. Hallelujah. Then it says, as we run this marathon of life, as we run, we must run with passion. We must run with determination. 
You see, we must run with patient endurance and we should run with steady persistence because it's a race that needs to be run. It's a race that has been marked out already for us. The Bible says it has been marked out around for us already. And the Bible then sets out a parameter here. It says that as we run that race, we must lay aside the things that ensnare us. And we must look unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. In other words, to, to run this race, there will be things, there will be things that will try to drag us down, there will be the weight that, uh, that beset us, there will be sins that will try to do us down, there will be demonic forces, there will be so many things that want to hinder us in running this race. There is a baggage, a set of baggage that the enemy will throw on your shoulders so that you don't run this race. But the Bible is saying that this race is a race of endurance. It's not a, it's not a, a sprint, it's a marathon. We have to run with endurance. Then it says, for us to endure, we must look unto Jesus. You know, it reminds me of a, an experience I had one time years ago, I think in the 1980s, probably 83, 85, we were at a Christian conference, and the preacher was preaching about, the, the, in, uh, in, in Zechariah somewhere, where it talks about Joshua, he says, if you, if, if you win this race, I will give you a place among these great ones so that you may walk among the great ones of the earth. So as the preacher was talking, he began to paint a picture of the heroes of faith, those who have gone before us and have won the race. And he says, so as he closed this message, he says, I want you to pray and say, God, give me a place among the heroes of faith. Give me a place among these ones. And a friend of mine who was a, a zealous for the faith, he came when we were just about to pray and, and he stopped me and says, Makoni, don't pray, don't pray. And I said, get, get thee behind me, Satan. How can you stop me from praying? Then he says, listen, don't pray to be like Moses. Don't pray to be like David. We must pray to be like Jesus. He is the perfect one. So when, when the preacher is saying, and because he had uh, told about all these great people, and he, he did not zero in onto Jesus. So this guy says, no, 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 desire to be like Jesus. Desire to bond your life to Jesus. Therefore, looking unto Jesus. So this is what Hebrews is saying. He says, when we model our lives, we must model our lives to be like Jesus. Okay. This is just for free. When, when he talked about that, I used to, um, to, 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 to model myself and to love a lot of the biblical preachers, but you, uh, biblical prophets and so on, but I realized that a lot of them had challenges. Have you ever thought about this? You, you know, when you look at your mentor or the person you admire, you begin to be attracted to them. And sometimes you begin to imbibe of the spirit of that person. You begin to be like them. So I was thinking one day and I was saying, hmm, the Bible says you must, it says David was a man of like passions. So David was a man after God's own heart. So I was thinking, I must pray and say, Lord, I want to look to David. I want to be a man like David. Then I thought, hmm, <laughs> what will my wife think if I was to tell him that I want to be like David? Because I don't think she will be thinking about David's heart after God. I think she will be thinking, how about Bathsheba? 
So I, I realized that, like the Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So I want to talk about courage in crisis and model ourselves to Jesus. Because the Bible says Jesus, is, we must look unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. It says, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame. And now he is seated on the right hand of God the Father. So we must look unto Jesus. We must model our lives to Jesus. We must run our race on the basis of Jesus. Now the Bible says that when Jesus was running this race, he knew that God had destined him for the cross. He knew there was a joy that was set before him. There was a prize that he was running for. And so he set his eyes, the Bible says, for that joy, for that reward. So it was really a battle for destiny. He was courageous in a time of crisis because the enemy was throwing everything that, that, that he could throw at him. But you know, I, I learned something in life. I realized that when you are running a race, particularly when you consider the Bible saying the race is not to the strong, the, nor to the swift, it re really says that there is a grace that we need to run life's race. And when you think about it, it says in this race, you, Jesus had to endure the cross. And I've come to tell you that for the race of life, each one of us has a cross that we have to bear to achieve what God has called us to. So you see, for the grace of life God gives us, when he calls us to our destiny, he places and plants in you a spiritual gift. Because that spiritual gift that he plants in you is the one that makes a way for you. It's the one that helps you to achieve what God has called you to. Now, every spiritual gift that you have that is critical for life, that is critical for your destiny, emanates from the cross of Christ. So the cross is what opened up the ability of Jesus when he died on the cross and he rose again from the dead. Then he gave gifts to men and he gave us, each one of us is given, according to Ephesians chapter 4, each one of us is given a gift. And that gift opens a way for us to become victorious, to become successful, to win the race of life. So every spiritual gift comes from the cross. And yet, every spiritual gift Yes, it's on cross. I'll say that again. Every spiritual gift that is necessary for your destiny comes from the cross of Calvary. And yet every spiritual gift has a cross. So you'll find that you will go through some pain. You'll have to bear a cross. You'll have to go through some, some pain for you to achieve what God has called you to. That is just for free. Now, having said that, I want to just give you some seven points that people who are on a race for destiny, people who are working through crisis, and yet they have to be courageous, they have to go through their pain. What are the seven things? They're not the only seven things, but they're not the only things that they can do, but here are seven things that can help you to be courageous in crisis. So are we ready? Number one, you see, People who are courageous in crisis, 
People who know that they have a destiny, people who know that they have a marathon that they are going to have to run, they understand that they have to go through a cross. They understand just like Jesus. You see, when Jesus, the Bible says he endured the cross. He endured the cross, despised his shame. So there was a fear and anxiety in Jesus when he was considering the cross. But you see, his mind was not set on the cross. His mind was set on the reward. His mind was set on the finish line. So people who are courageous in crisis, they act despite their fear. They hold on and they, they say, I am afraid, but I will not allow my fear to paralyze me. I'm afraid because of what I'm going through, but I will not allow this to stop me. You see, when you think about Jesus, when he was considering the cross, the Bible says in the book of John, he prayed and he says, he went out, uh, he took the disciples, three of them, and he was praying with them. Then as he was praying, he says, Lord, let this cup pass me by. Because he was thinking about the immensity of the pain. He was thinking about the possibility for the first time in all eternity and the only time in eternity when the father was going to turn his back on him. He has always been in fellowship with the father. But as he hung on the cross, he knew he would carry our sin. He would carry our wickedness. And as he carried those, the father will for the first time in all eternity turn away from him. And he could not fathom it. He could not imagine the God forsakenness of being forsaken by God, by having God turn away from him. So as he was thinking about that, he felt the pressure of fear. So he says, Lord, let this cup pass me by. Is there no other way? Is there no other way? I mean, just like we do when we pass through pain, we're saying, God, is there no other way to victory? Is there no other way to winning this battle? Father, make another way. So this is what Jesus was going through. And as he did that, he was praying, says, Lord, let this cup pass me by. But when he had prayed through, he then says, yet not my will, but yours be done. So he says, I'll go through that cross. I, will, I, I am afraid of it, but I will still go to the cross because it is your will. So people of destiny, people will work through the crisis. They will not allow the crisis to immobilize them. But there are people who are courageous enough to believe in themselves, to believe for who they are in Christ, to believe that the gifting of God in, who, in them will see, will make a way for them. There are people who have faith in their calling. They have confidence in their purpose. They have confidence in the assignment of God. And they know that which God has spoken about their lives, it will come to pass. It will not kill them but they will survive. They know that they are victors. You know the main actor never dies. And they know that in the story of their life, they are the main actors. And therefore they know that they may go the, through the cross line further with a, with a limb, but still they will cross that line. Jesus may have gone to the cross and he finished that finish line with his back plowed, but still he finished the cross. So courageous people, they believe in themselves. They believe in the cause. They believe in what God has called them to. And they exude a quiet self-confidence to press through the fear. They are not immobilized by their fear. They feel the fear and they move on. They, you see, they put their lives at risk to pursue their convictions. They put their lives at risk to pursue the purpose and the call of God. They put their money and their gifting where their mouth is. You see, they know that it is better to act than to spend their life analyzing. You see, there are people who think of business plans and they keep analyzing. They do this scenarios, they do this, there's somebody who, they, they already know, they have felt in their hearts, this is the lady I wanted to marry, but they can't bring themselves to, to, to throwing the word. 
or sorry, to, to making the proposal. They are afraid. They have seen people whose marriage is broken down. And they're saying, if I get married, what happens if I get married? What if my, my marriage is going to break? They, they feel the fear. Let, let me talk to single young men. For, for a while. You know, as, as a pastor, I've come to a point where I think a lot of our single young men are really selfish. You know, there are ladies who are having all nice prayer. You know God has spoken to you. And you are having a fast and pray. Feel the fear and propose. Feel the fear and act. Move on. Hallelujah. So, so we want to see a few more weddings. I think the, this thing of having so many eligible bachelors, I bind it in the name of Jesus right now. Number two, you see people who, who are on a journey of destiny, there are people who are, number two, passion, who passionately pursue their call. They are committed to their call. They passionately pursue it. They know that sometimes God, because of the cross that is in between you and what God has called you to, they know that sometimes the cross does not make sense. Jesus knew the same. He knew that the cross did not make sense. Was it necessary for him to hang, hang on the cross? There was, was there no other option? Was there no other way? But God sometimes charts our way. He has marked our path towards destiny. So within, even within that crisis, I'm going to be courageous. You see, in John chapter 12, verses 27 and 28, Jesus is thinking about the cross. And he says, now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Should I say, Father, save me from this hour? He is thinking, he is, he is constrained by the call. He knows that he is called to that cross because the cross is not the end. It's just a way to destiny. You see, the battle is not the end. The battle is the way to victory. You know, your lack is not the end. Your lack is a way to abundance. What you are going through right now, it may sound like it's a wilderness, but you have not been called to the wilderness. You have to pass through the wilderness to get to the land of promise. You have for you to see, God was saying to Jesus, for you to see the harvest of souls, you have to go through the cross. For you to go through what you need to go through, there's going to be a wilderness. So he says, Lord, what shall I say? Should I say, save me from this hour? Protect me. Can you create a detour so that I avoid these hard times? Then he says, but really, I'm not going to do that. He says, but for this purpose, I came to this hour. Therefore, I will say, Father, glorify your name. Father, as I go through it, be glorified. I will be courageous. I will be passionate. I will put my life in danger. I will release my resources. I will release my time. I will release my talent to pursue the calling of God. I will risk things for me to pursue the purpose of God so that God may be glorified. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and I will glorify it again. 
You see, when the voice of reason stutters and common sense stammers, courage utters a clarion call. It says, push on, keep pushing, keep pushing. You see, if you can choose to stand and build a tent around the voice of reason, even when it is stuttering, or you may begin to build a tabernacle around common sense as it stammers, or you can listen to the call of God. And I say, because of courage, I'm going to pursue the call of God. You see, you know, courageous people, you know where they stand. They, they, I mean, they don't stand here and there. They take a stand and they push forward. So Jesus passionately pursued his call. He knew that he had been called to the cross. The Bible says in another place in John, it says as he was going towards Jerusalem, actually it's in the book of Luke, he says as he was going to Jerusalem, he had to pass through Samaria. And Samaria is those who understand the, 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 the context of the, the Jewish context. You realize that Samaritans were bastardized Jews, and they hated Jews. And yet Jesus, to go to Jerusalem, had to pass through hostile territory. He had to pass through Samaria while he was going to the cross, because that's what God had called him to. But the Bible says he set his face as a flint to go to Jerusalem. He hardened his gaze. He hardened his, his commitment. And he says, I will go through. I will not allow this wilderness to, to bury me. I will not allow the pain the disappointment of the journey to stop me. I will march my way to Jerusalem because he understood. He was passionate about his belief. He was true to his value and he was consistent in his, be in his behavior as he walked towards the purpose that God had called him. So courageous people in times of crisis, they passionately, number two, pursue their purpose. Hallelujah. Number three, you see, courageous people in times of crisis, they persevere in the face of adversity. You see, when, you, when God calls you and you begin to pursue that what God has called you to do, the people will arise and begin to challenge what God has called you to do. Pastor Links talked about Nehemiah rebuilding walls of Jerusalem. The moment Nehemiah rose to fulfill his destiny, a son Balat arose, a Tobiah arose, a Geshem the Arab arose, and they began to town him. They begin to frustrate him. They begin to persecute him. They begin to, to, to write letters to the king to try to hinder what God has called you to. But you see, he persevered through the in the face of adversity. He did not begin to say, oh God, you didn't tell me there are going to be giants in the land. He didn't begin to cry to them. There are thorns along the way, but he persevered. So whatever God has called you to, it, you may be walking through a crisis, but you need to persevere. Think about Jesus. Because you know, sometimes you are affected or you are slowed down by what others think. Here was Jesus. He he is on his way to the cross. Peter has just given a powerful revelation of you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus begins to tell them that though I am the Christ, though I am the anointed one, though I am the Messiah, my real purpose is the cross. My focus is the cross. I need to go to the cross. And in Mark, Matthew chapter 16, verses 22 to 23, Peter, the Bible says, then Peter took him aside. Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to him, get behind me, Satan. 
You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. You see, once you are walking through the crisis of life, or you are running the race, when you begin to feel the pain during the marathon, there's going to be a Peter who will appoint themselves as your counselor. They will appoint themselves as the guardian of your soul, and they begin to discourage you. They begin to say, no, no, you don't have to go through that. Do you have to fast as much as you are doing? Do you have to really give as much as you are giving? Do you have to, to persevere? You do need to do this. Something is wrong with you. Why don't you just give up? Some may even have an anointing, like the anointing of Job's wife. You know, Job's wife is a very interesting character. Job is going through pain. And he is persevering through adversity. And yet Job's wife says, curse God and die. I, I think th this woman was tired of this man. Because she knew that if he curses God, he will die. So she says, curse God and die so that I will get another man. Really, this is what Job's wife was thinking. How? But an anyway, anyway. So, so Jesus is discouraged by Peter, but he recognizes in Peter the voice of the enemy. And he says, get thee behind me. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God. There are people who will not see the calling of God, who will not see the purpose of God in your life, and they are not mindful of those things. So those people will begin to slow you down. So those people who are courageous in crisis, they persevere through the adverse counsel of friends. They have the tenacity to press on against all odds. They are not afraid to challenge the status quo or to swim against the tide. You see, they prefer conviction to conv convenience. They stay adversity in the eye and they run towards their challenge knowing that there is a prize to be won. So they are persevering. They persevere in the face of adversity. Number four, praise God. Say to your neighbor, neighbor, I think he's talking to me. So they stand up for what is right. You see, courage does not cower in the face of public opinion. Neither does it waver when the world waffles. You see, courageous people can distinguish between their purpose and as designed by God or the thoughts of men. And they stand up for what they know. They are unmoved by doubters. Think about David. David is a young man, and God has prepared him and has raised him. But before David gets to become king, there had to be a cross that he had to endure. There had to be a Goliath that he had to face. So when David began to see this Goliath, he says, many people are saying, oh my God, I mean, how can you, a young man, want to try and challenge this, this, this giant of a man? You only have a sling. And David was saying, you guys, you're afraid of this guy, don't you realize that because he is a giant, he is too big to miss. Some people are seeing his bigness, but then he's saying, this is a big target. It's big enough for me not to miss. So they said, no, 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 no. You are just a shepherd. You are looking for glory. Just like people talk about you when you begin to share your dream and they say, oh, you are, you are too ambitious. You are this, and they want to talk you out of your dream. And David looks at them and he says, you don't understand 
say, is there not a cause? I'm going to face this guy because there is a cause. Number one, there is a crown to be won because if I defeat this guy, I'm on my way to become a king. Number two, there is a reward because if I kill this guy, I become the king's son-in-law. Number three, I'm exempted from taxes. There is a reward. You are seeing Goliath. I'm seeing a reward. So when you struggle through building your business and people are looking at you and saying, why did you leave that job? And you are struggling, you are struggling, you are struggling. You are seeing the reward, the entrepreneur's reward. You are seeing the reward in terms of dividends and the growth of your business. But you understand you still have to go through a Goliath. You still have to go through a cross. So within that process, you say, this looks like a crisis, but I will still be courageous. Is there not a cause? David says, you see, people who are courageous, they stand up for what is right. Jesus was not afraid to speak up for what is right. Do you remember when, when he faces, or the Pharisees brought the woman who was caught in adultery? And they say, Moses said to stone him. And they are ready to stone him. I mean, most of them had stones ready. I mean, they were very zealous. And, but Jesus' sense of right and wrong, he just ignored them and started writing. And I think he was writing, though your sins be as scarlet, as blood, yet I will make them. I will make you as white it's not. So these guys, they, they think they've cornered Jesus. Although I often think, if this woman was caught in adultery, then she wasn't alone. Where was her partner? But they just focused on this woman. Anyway, that's for free. Let's leave that. So, but, but Jesus backed the trend. He didn't go with that which was popular. He stood for what was right and absolved the lady. So when he just said, oh, you know, guys, you are so right. Justice has to be fulfilled, you know. Sin has to be punished. And oh, by the way, I think, yes, we must stone this woman. But I want the one who is sinless, the one who has never committed sin. Let them be the first to, to throw the stone. And suddenly, one by one, they, they begin to leave. So Jesus had the courage to go against the crowd. And many times in life, in the marathon of life, people will feel you struggle, see you struggle and sweat as you pursue. I mean, you, you want to lose weight and you are watching your diet and others are saying, why do you eat these things which are not, which are not delicious? You are punishing yourself because they don't see where you are going. So you can follow the trend or you can back the trend and do that which is right. Anyway, number five. You see, courageous people, they let go of the familiar. They leave their comfort zone. And they venture outside the comfort zone. You, you, you know, I, I, I train people in entrepreneurship, and I'm, I'm amazed at the, the number of people who will say to you, oh, you know what, you must think outside the box. You must think outside the box. The moment you present to them an innovative idea, something that is outside the box, the first question they ask you is, where has it been done before? 
Now they are throwing you back into the box. But you see, courageous people, because they are pursuing destiny, they are not limited by the fact that there is no path. You know, I, I read a quote from a, 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 a Cuban revolutionary years ago. I don't remember his name. And this is what he said. He said, traveler, walk on. The path may not be there, but the paths are made by walking. You see, many people who are walking, they're saying, oh, we want to go, to go down the, the, the tried and tested. But you see, the people who make a difference are people who get out of their comfort zone. They are the pathfinders. They go where there is no path, and they create a path so that others will follow. This is what people of destiny do. This is what people, I mean, people say, I mean, who has ever heard about somebody going to the cross for the salvation of people? But he made a way where there was no way. You see, courageous people, they take calculated risk to move in the pursuit of their purpose. They embrace the unknown and they are not allergic to change. Can you imagine the eternal God humbling himself to become man, leaving the comfort zone of eternity and coming into the limitedness of time and bearing our sins on the cross of Calvary that he may face the devil and the Bible says in Hebrews 2 verse 9, talking of Jesus, who went past the familiar, went past what he was comfortable. For all eternity he had already been, he has been in heaven. Suddenly he leaves the comfort of heaven and he walks into unfamiliar territory. He walks into the earth because he could not die on the cross in heaven. So he knew that his destiny required for him to walk into the unfamiliar. So Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9, he says, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor. But before he was crowned with glory and honor, he had to suffer death. That by the grace of God, he might test death for everyone. So he left the familiar and he moved towards his destiny. What are you doing to move towards your destiny? Are you comfortable with the familiar? Are you comfortable where you have always been. As the quote that Pastor Tom often quotes, insanity is defined as doing the same thing and expecting a different result. You see, if you continue in the familiar, you are insane. But we need courage for us to endure. Praise God. Number six. How many points did I say I was going to give you? Oh, that means we are almost there. So, number six. You see, courageous people focus on the reward and not on the cost. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, 
and he has sat down on the right hand of the throne of God, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Why did he endure the cross? Why did he go through the wilderness? Why did he despise the shame for the joy that was set before him? His eyes were not on the cross. His eyes was on the joy. His eyes was on the throne of God where he would be seated on the right hand of God. You see, courageous people, they set their focus on the prize. They train their gaze upon the promised reward. You see, I want you to understand that every cross has its throne because Jesus had to go through the cross to get to the throne. He could not sit on the right hand of God the Father unless he went through the cross. But his eyes were not on the cross. He was not limited by what he was going through. He was limited by what he was going to. He was not going to the cross. He was going to the throne. And to go to the throne, he had to pass through the cross. When you invest your capital in your business and you are starting business, you don't keep your eyes on the seed. Your eyes are on the harvest. But you have to lose the seed to get the harvest. When you give to God, your eyes are not on what you are giving, but you have to give so that you get the harvest. You train your eyes on the harvest. Are we together? So when there is no cross, there is no throne. Because you see, in God's economy, the pain of the cross precedes the joy of the crown. So he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. You see, you, you have to appreciate that you see in your pain, in your passion is the seed of your destiny. I have come to believe that the area in which the enemy fights you the most, that is the seed of your destiny. That area begins to speak to what God called you to. You see, what the enemy fights the most is what you are becoming. And he sees what God has planted in you. And that's what he fights. So when you want to identify your purpose, when you want to identify what God has called you to, begin to study your life and see what the enemy is fighting the most. So you see, to encourage yourself in a crisis, do not concentrate on the pain of the crisis, but focus on the joy of the reward. That is what Jesus says, looking unto Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Hallelujah. You know, there's a principle in life that says whatever you focus on expands. Have you ever noticed that if you have a visit from, from that niece of yours who is known for being a pickpocket. You, you, you are always looking at their every, their every movement. What, where has she gone? What has she done? And so on. And then it so happens that you, you misplace your most expensive perfume. And you go through rummaging through, through their things. You say, I know it's, it's them. And because you are focusing on it, it becomes real. And if they are visiting for a week, you know every day they become to act suspicious, to talk suspicious, to behave suspicious. Because you are focusing on it, the reality you condemn them because what you are focusing on is expanding. Until three weeks went after they have left and you are convinced they stole your perfume. You bump into your perfume <laughs> in your home. 
So whatever you focus on expands. When you focus on the crisis, it expands and you get discouraged. But when you focus on the reward and its joy, you are encouraged and your courage is fortified. You see, the Satan wants you to see and to focus on the crisis, to focus on the cross. He wants, you to, he wants to make the cross so big, so daunting, so challenging. He wants to make the wilderness so arid, so dry. And you say, oh my God, I mean, there is no light at the end of the tunnel. Like it's all sand and you're seeing sand. And when you think that you are, there is nothing else to see. Just lift up your eyes and see the reward. See the throne that God wants you to see. Because when you focus on that, then you'll be courageous. I move to close. Point number seven. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 3. So consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who oppose their own souls, so that you won't become worn down. You won't cave in under life's pressures. I, I want you to look at that scripture very carefully. You see, he has called us to run the race with endurance. He says, look unto Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Then he says, if you want to run this race, you need to consider Jesus. Because if you don't consider Jesus, you'll be worn down. You'll be discouraged. You'll cave in to life's pressures. You'll be discouraged and you'll give up. So what is the Bible saying? The Bible is saying once you keep your focus on Jesus, you will have courage. When you keep your eyes and your focus on Jesus, you won't give up. The challenge in life is that we begin to focus on that which we see. But the Bible says, consider Jesus. I, I'm, I'm amazed at, at the church of Jesus Christ. That we are spending so much time considering so many things. We are considering our financials. We are considering our anointing. We are considering our ability. We are considering who we are. But the Bible says, for you not to be discouraged, for you to have courage in crisis, consider Jesus. You see, when you consider Jesus, you will not be weary. You will not be discouraged. You see, when you focus on Jesus, it gives you courage to endure the crisis. So I want to propose that if you are to have courage in crisis and endure the marathon of life and fulfill your destiny, we need to return to Jesus. We need to consider Jesus. You see, when the spies had been sent to scout the promised land, coming from a mindset of the wilderness, they began to describe how big the giants were. You know, the Bible is full of interesting stories. You know, 
they, they describe these giants and they say, this is an incredible land. I mean, there are giants in the land. The land consumes its inhabitants. How can the land that consumes its inhabitants create giants? Either the land consumes its inhabitants or the land favors the inhabitants. That's why they are giants. But then they say, we were as grasshoppers before them. So we were grass, as grasshoppers in our eyes in Numbers chapter 13. So were we before them. Because they focused on the land. They focused on the giants. They did not consider Jesus. If they had considered the greatness of their God, their marathon would have been a walkover. If you consider Jesus, the crisis you are facing is nothing. We stand as a nation at a pivotal time. We have an election which has been won, but there's no legitimacy. I'm not passing a judgment on the election. I'm simply stating a fact. You see, if an electoral process has to be settled in court, it means it's already illegitimate. It means it's disputed. Because the, the, the court, although it's, it does set the situation and makes a declaration, which declaration is accepted? So we have a president. But still, you see that the nation is in crisis. We are supposed to have closed this matter and moved on as others say. But it's difficult even for those who have won to move on. All I'm saying is, we are in transition. We are in a crisis. We can choose as believers to hate the process, despise the process, despise the outcome. Or we can be courageous enough to say for reasons beyond our knowledge, God allowed it. And because God allowed it, that is the situation. Because the Bible does say, it is God who lifts one and he puts down the other. I've always said, people may rig, but God cannot be rigged. So the very fact that we have a process, flawed as it may be, which has produced a result, it means that God allowed it. So the position of believers is to say, even if I didn't like it, it is what it is. I have to be courageous in a crisis and accept that God can overrule the desires of the people. And the nation moves on. You, you understand what I'm saying? But I'm saying we are in a crisis because the two major political parties are in a crisis. We're in transition. The fact of the matter is, the transition that started in November 2017 is not over yet. 
There's a crisis in the MDC. There's a crisis in ZANU-PF. His Excellency the President did say that there is an unfinished leadership crisis in ZANU-PF. So we don't have closure. And he said that after the elections, we will resolve that matter. So in reality, we are in transition. You understand what I'm saying? Now, you as a believer, you may become despondent. Or you can choose to consider Jesus. So that you are not weary. So that you are not discouraged. You see, when you consider Jesus, he overrides the analysis of people. He overrides the doomsayers. So I've come to tell you that we can be courageous and look to Jesus. And then we can endure this time of crisis. You know, the Bible says that Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. So what joy was set before him? What was the reward that Jesus was looking at when he went to the cross? Number one, he was looking at the joy of being exalted to the right hand of God the Father and being given a name above every other name. Number two, he was looking at the joy of seeing your sins forgiven you. You moving from a place of having no fellowship with God, being brought into fellowship with God. He was seeing the joy of you being breaking free out of poverty. He was seeing the joy of people who are redeemed from the bondage of the enemy. He was looking at the joy of people who are redeemed from sickness. So as Jesus looked at the cross, he did not see the cross. He saw your wounded body being healed. He saw your poverty being broken. He saw your sin being broken. That's why he went to the cross. That's why he had the courage to go to the cross. Because the Bible says it behoved him, the world who was made in the form of God, to become like man, that he may redeem those who all their lifetime were under the bondage of death so that he may break the power of him with the power over death. So Jesus went to the cross because of you. He went to the cross because the joy of the cross was seeing you walk into your destiny, seeing you walk fulfill your life assignment. The Bible says in Isaiah that when he shall see of the fruit of his suffering, he shall be satisfied. When Jesus looks across this auditorium and he sees you redeemed, he sees you walking into destiny, he says every nail was worth it, every whip was worth it, because you are the joy that he went to the cross for. You are the reason he went to the cross. So I'll ask everybody to stand if we will because we want to deal with those things that he died for, those things that he laid down his life, those things he endured the cross for, for the joy that you may walk into abundance, for the joy that you may walk into salvation, for the joy that you may walk into freedom, for the joy that you may walk into destiny, for the joy that you may walk into that for which he has called you for. So here is how I want us to pray for just a few moments. I want you to talk to God and say, God, I am Jesus' reward. I need to walk into that which he died for. The situation that I am in is unacceptable. 
this poverty, this lack, this need, this, these challenges I have, this is not what he died for. He died for the joy of seeing me to enter into the fullness of your purpose. Come on, let's talk to God. Yes, Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before your presence this morning and we call upon you, my God, because of Jesus who went to the cross. He endured the cross for my salvation. He endured the cross that I may walk out of need into abundance. He endured the cross that I may walk out of sickness into divine health. He endured the cross that I may walk into the fullness of redemption. Father, I walk with courage in the crisis of life. He went to the cross that I may fulfill my life's purpose, that I may live and become what God has called me to in the name of Jesus. So today I choose to be courageous. I consider Jesus who hung on the cross for our healing, who hung on the cross for our redemption, who hung on the cross for our deliverance. Today we consider Jesus. We consider Jesus who because of the cross, he hung on that cross that he may enter into the joy that when he looks across this auditorium, may he see the results of his suffering. May he see the fruit of his suffering. May he be satisfied. Father, I pray for every sick person and at the sound of my voice, may they walk out of the bondage of disease and affliction and enter into divine health. I pray, my God, for those who are constrained by financial lack. I say, Jesus went to the cross and joined the cross for their freedom, and joined the cross for their deliverance, and joined the cross for them to walk into the purposes of God. Father, I pray for those who are wandering in the crisis of life, who are fatigued and tired, that they are struggling, my God, in terms of their destiny, those who have been talked down and discouraged. Father, I speak courage into the people of God. I speak courage into those who have become hopeless. I speak courage because this is what you died for, for the joy of the cross, for the joy of the cross. I thank you, my God. Father, I thank you. I thank you, my God, for those who are under the oppression of the enemy. Father, I declare deliverance. I declare they are set free by the power of God because that's what Jesus died for. He went to the cross. He went to the cross. His joy is to see his children walk in freedom. Father, I speak into the life of every child of God under the sound of my voice who is oppressed by the enemy in any area of their life. I speak freedom. I speak deliverance because Jesus endured the cross. Today we consider Jesus. We consider Jesus and we are not discouraged. Father, I speak to the life of the child of God who is discouraged. Father, whose hope had been deferred and I speak life. I speak encouragement. I speak confidence. I speak a boldness. I strengthen the weak knees. I strengthen the weak arms, the drooping arms. And I say we press on. We run on. We are courageous in crisis. We are courageous in transition. We achieve the purposes of God. We may have been beaten, but we are not done. We may have fallen, but we will rise again. I speak a passion to rise again, to pursue purpose, to pursue the callings of God. Father, I thank you, and I give you praise in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hebrews 12 verse 3. For consider Jesus who endured such hostility from sinners against himself 
lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. I've simply come to say to you, when you are in a crisis and you need courage, consider Jesus. Set your eyes on Jesus. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.